You need to become best friends with failure and be okay with it and get back up. You ask about how it's going. Well, you fail a lot, but in the face of failure is a lot of growth if you're willing to look at the lessons. Are you ready to change your life? Welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast, sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments and Berkwood Capital. Your hosts, Linda Brooks and Lisa Hill, are two dynamic multifamily investor syndicators who combined have more than 400 doors in their portfolio and growing. Join them on their journey as they show you it's never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing. And they'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. And now, here are your hosts, Linda and Lisa. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Multifamily Investor Latest Podcast. I am Linda Brooks, and my co-host, Lisa Hill, unfortunately, is not available to join us today. But we are going to drive on because we have an absolutely amazing guest with us today. As you know, Lisa and I are active multifamily real estate investors, and we provide this platform so that you, our passive investor audience, can learn, be an educated investor as you join us on our journey in the wonderful world of multifamily real estate investing. Well, today we have an amazing guest. She is a fellow CPA, and I just want you to know that I am super excited to have a fellow CPA on the show today. Lisa is the founder of LisaHilton.com and a real estate company that provides opportunities for entrepreneurs and business owners to invest in tax efficient real estate investments. Lisa is also the host of the Level Up REI podcast, which airs every Tuesday and the first Thursday of each month with conversations with passive investors. Lisa Hilton is a CPA with approximately 10 years of audit experience from PricewaterhouseCoopers and four and a half years as a controller on private equity real estate funds with the Los Angeles firm Aries Management. Her current mission to provide podcast episodes and investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and business owners to level up their businesses and real estate investing in order to build long term wealth and financial freedom. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Super excited to have you, my fellow CPA. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa, you've got quite the background. And I mean, you've gone from public accounting and right into real estate. Tell me, how did you end up in real estate? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in a real estate family. My father was a contractor. He built 14 apartment units when I was a child. And then he got sick when I was in elementary school-ish. By the time I got to college, he passed away. He had a brain tumor. But because he built those 14 apartment units, that enabled my family to continue to have income to send myself and my younger siblings to school, both, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school during that time and support us through college and all of that good stuff. And to now, even to this day, my mom still takes care of them. So I bought my first property when I was in my early 20s and I bought it because I loved it. I didn't buy it because, oh, the numbers worked. But then I quickly realized how important it was to make sure that the numbers did work because it broke even the first year and then it lost money every single year after that for a total of six years. Wow. (laughs) So that was my education in real estate investing real quick. Wow. Um, (laughs) And I lived and came in the first year and with the property when it broke even. 
And then every year after that, for a total of five to six years after that, four of those years, I lived in Boston. And about a year after I moved to LA is when I actually sold the property because the year I moved to LA, I remember getting a bill in my email for over a thousand dollars. And I was like, wow, like I'm not making any money on this property and I'm getting thousand dollar bills in the email. Like, what is this? And it was the AC company. The tenant had called the AC company because the AC had went out and they went out, fixed the AC and then sent me the bill. And Mm -hmm. I said, got it. I was like, this has got to go. It's Mm -hmm. done. So after I sold that property about a year after moving to LA, I was like, no more real estate. And I say that the universe has a sense of humor Mm -hmm. because a year or so later, I ended up deciding to leave PwC, public accounting. I had been working there at that point for 10 years. As you said, three different cities came in Boston and then Los Angeles. And I decided to leave to go work for an investment manager, uh, taking care of private equity, real estate funds. So a controller on private equity, real estate funds. And yeah, you know, that is a sense of humor that I think the universe has, because there I was now back in real estate, taking care of these funds. And a friend of mine who was at the firm, she was leaving about a month or so after I got there, said to me when I got there and took the job, she said, Lisa, it's going to take you six months to figure out what you're doing. And then another six months to determine whether you like it or not. Mm. And she was right. It did take me about six months to figure out what I was doing. And then in that second six months, I realized, hey, I'm not going to be here forever. So I'm going to need to start thinking about what the next chapter is going to be. And that's when I started building the next chapter. Amazing. So first, I want to say, I just want to acknowledge your dad, right? Because he had the foresight to set that foundation despite his health, right? To be able to provide that perpetual cash flow for his family. And at the time, you being so young, didn't really understand what that meant. But now that you're this successful, high speed real estate syndicator and investor, you really can appreciate the legacy that your father left. So I just want to pay my respects to him at this time and thank him, even though I don't know him for what he's been able to (laughs) deposit in you and your family. So then I want to say you're a rock star girl. You done went from all these different places. I feel you on the I'm done with real estate because I've been there. So now, you know, you've been through the six months figuring out what you're doing, six months determining whether or not you like it, having the epiphany that I'm not going to do this forever. Right. What have you been up to lately? Before I get to what I've been up to lately, (laughs) after I got through those first year, Uh the first business I embarked on was to create a business for real estate investors. So I was thinking about doing accounting for real estate investors. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to a couple of friends and who were real estate investors themselves. And I quickly realized, oh, this is going to be really heavy on taxes. And I didn't have a lot of experience in the tax world because when I was working at PwC, I was in audit mm-hmm. for 10 years. And then working now as a controller at that time, 
once again, still not heavy on taxes either. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I quickly realized, okay, this is probably not going to work. And then tried other businesses. This is all while still working. And then eventually I ran across real estate syndications and I ran across real estate syndications. I was introduced in 2019, but I met the lady who introduced me to it in 2018. Mm-hmm. Then 2019, I was introduced. I made my first investment. And when I was introduced to this, I was like, wow, I didn't know this was possible. And I want to say maybe a year before I met her, I was going for lunch with some of my colleagues and the audit firm who audits our funds. It was like the end of the audit lunch for the client. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking people like crazily, I don't know why I was doing this, but I was asking people, have you ever like invested in self-storage? Because I kept passing all these self-storage places here in LA. And I was like, man, I would love to invest in self-storage because I know Americans love a lot of stuff. Yes. (laughs) So would Um, I (laughs) love to invest in self-storage. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, how can I do that? And everyone looked at me like I was nuts. They were like, no one does that. And no one knows anyone how, like, everything was like, no, 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 no. And then a year or so later, I met, you know, Monique, real estate goddesses. And, you know, that's how I got exposed to real estate syndications because I was like, wow, I didn't know that there were people out here doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just so amazing. So from there, I spent the next two years or so starting to build. I invested in more and more deals. At this point, I've invested in five syndications to date. Awesome. So four multifamilies and one industrial. So the industrial is in Arizona, Phoenix. Nice. One multifamily in North Carolina, another in Chattanooga, and the rest are in Atlanta. And two of the Atlanta ones are actually going full circle. So both are selling currently and that money will come back. When that comes back, I plan to deploy that into more syndications to continue to grow the money and to generate passive income. So Excellent. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. We'll talk offline about the next <laughs> investment opportunities, okay? That's right. <laughs> Especially if it's self-storage. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. And then, you know, as you know, I decided in April of 2021 here to Make the tough decision to leave my job, to focus on building the business. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it came from a place of saying, if not now, when? Mm -hmm. And just sort of embracing the uncertainties of life and saying, okay, well, this is probably as good as a situation as it's going to get. And I can talk about like, for me, it was far easier to financially prepare for this transition. Mm-hmm. Then mentally prepare for this transition. And honestly, both are so critical to make this transition. But like your mindset and what, how you think can crush you faster than anyone else out there. And I think it's like so important to cultivate an environment around yourself when you're going to, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, when you're going to make these kinds of decisions, I'm pretty sure like someone who's out there, who's working in corporate America and thinking about this and they're like, you know what, I would love to be able to be a full-time entrepreneur to pursue my business. Maybe it's in real estate, maybe it's in something else. 
But like the key is as an accountant, I felt the need to set a very strong financial foundation runway. And then the tough part was the mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about that part yes. a little bit. Like, yeah. what did you go through? What was that process like to say, I'm going to just jump off the cliff and take that leap of faith? It was challenging. Um, sure. but I want to say that I feel that I was being initiated to it for at least the entire 2020. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like I was going through initiation. Mm-hmm. There were so many, like a part of it, I actually posted this on Instagram just today, that it's so easy to connect the dots looking backwards than it is can't connect the dots looking forward. Mm-hmm. And for me, like some of the things in terms of the financial space was like, When I was working at Aries, I did like the high deductible plans with like HSAs and like I funded them every single year and then Aries would contribute to that funding. So one of the biggest things that people who are thinking about making the leap into entrepreneur ask about is like, well, how are you going to deal with health insurance? Mm. And it's like, well, a couple things is like you as a business owner can determine how much you're going to make this year. And then as you make more, you can then reassess and go back. Like I can go back to covered California and sort of say, Hey, like I'm projecting to make more now. And then obviously you're insurance would then what you're paying for your premium would change accordingly. Mm -hmm. And then the kind of insurance that you choose, like I still choose high deductible insurances because I have an HSA that I funded for four and a half years with the help of my prior employer. I took that HSA money and made sure that I had enough in cash to meet the deductible. And then the rest is invested in the market. So, you know, having an HSA that allows you to invest the rest of your money into an index fund in the market. So that way it's continuing to grow inside of the HSA. The other thing was when I was at PwC, I was on a regular 401k. When I went to Aries, they had the option of regular and Roth. So I said, you know what, since I had a large bucket of regular, I was like, now at Aries, I'm going to do Roth. So what that meant was that I was going to pay taxes now on that money. But by doing that, when you put that money into that Roth, the Roth now is growing and all of the money that's in there is now tax-free, including the earnings. So if push come to shove and I do need to get money, I could take what I contributed into the Roth out. I can't take the earnings from the Roth until I hit age 65 because I've already paid taxes on that money. So it's technically... It's still my money. So it's like thinking about these kinds of things. As I said, when I started, like you can only connect the dots looking back. You can't connect them looking forward. Mm -hmm. So really and truly, it's like in every single moment, you ask to be present. So that way you can choose the right thing for you based on what the universe has in store ahead, even though you really don't know what it has in store ahead. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know that I would have gave notice in March and left in April. If someone had told me that, that I was going to do that in 2020, I would have been like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. And it's been awesome. And a little bit more personal, I also decided to freeze my eggs. So my employer had a program that paid for that, my prior employer. So I said, you know what? Once again, I didn't know I was going to leave. but I just knew 
I was present. And it was like, I felt the call to do this and I did it. And then now I'm like, oh my God, I'm thankful because like, I have no idea. Like, I just don't know. Like I'm in the world of the great unknown right now. (laughs) Building, building the business. Outstanding. That's excellent. I mean, it takes a lot. And the process that you've gone through, it's definitely encouraging to folks that may be aspiring to do something similar. Kudos and congratulations to you. Thank you. How's it been going so far, just in terms of the reach and the networking and the contacts? And I guess the other question is, you know, what do you have to do on your mindset on a daily basis? Right. Because you talked about the process you went through to get here, but to keep going. And then how are things going now that you're in it? So what I would say is starting with mindset. So mindset, super important. One, meditation, two, affirmations, and three, visualization. Your biggest struggle is what's in between your ears. Mm -hmm. This is going to determine whether you're successful or not. Not other people, not the environment, none of that. But if you let what's happening outside of you influence the way you think, Mm -hmm. then that's what then causes you, your car, your vehicle, your vision to get off track. Like you then get off track from where it is that you're trying to go. So for me, it's like meditating, it's affirmations, listening to uplifting things in the morning, things that uplift me and nourish my soul. In the evenings, I try to go for walks. I listen to good books, books that help me to continue to develop and normalizes failure. That right there is key. Because like you need to become best friends with failure and be okay with it and get back up. You ask about how it's going. Well, you fail a lot, but in the face of failure is a lot of growth. If you're willing to look at the lessons, if you're not willing to look at the lessons and you just sort of write it off, then you've lost everything. But when you're willing to say, oh, well, why didn't I raise the amount that I was supposed to raise? Or why didn't I earn any, like what's holding me back from creating a program that connects and transforms someone's life? You then start asking better questions so that way you can then better create a better product for someone to help them to get from where they are to where they're trying to go. So that's what I would say is like super important. And then being around the right type of people. So I also surround myself with other fellow entrepreneurs or just people who have the mindset of continuing to grow and courageous and no looking back and giving it all. That's what I would say. And two other things is number one, I was in decision fatigue. I was in decision fatigue for a long time. And what that looked like is two things. Number one, inability to make tough decisions in my life Mm. about things that would change it radically and be able to stand in my truth and in my light. And every week, like this week, I had a moment, you know, as well, where I had to sit with myself and say, Hey, remember your why Mm -hmm. and focus on who you are uniquely called to serve. Mm. We are not boiling the entire ocean. So everyone is called to serve different people and that's it. So keep focusing on the people you are called to serve and you are called to help 
and let the chips fall where they may, you know, because there's other people that are going to help, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to like getting confused and lost and like running after everything. Like, no, you need to stay focused and grounded what you're trying to do. Rooted, as Sierra says. (laughs) (laughs) I get a lot from her. You know, her Level Up song is what inspired my podcast. Oh, okay. And then she has a song called Rooted. And that song, you know, is really about like staying rooted in who you are and, you know, coming from that place of authenticity. I was just thinking while you were talking, I was like, boy, I'm a chaplain in the Army Reserves. So I was thinking that'll preach. I think we need to pass the offering plate around now after that. (laughs) Oh, you said a word. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Just, you know, your transparency, your honesty, your authenticity, it just rings through, right, as we're having this conversation. And I hope that it does for our listeners what it's doing for me right now in this space. So thank you for that very, very much. And thank you for being here with us today. Any advice for the new passive investor from a mindset perspective, from a planning perspective, because it's obvious you really took a step back and thought about, okay, if I'm going to do this, what do I need to have in place to mentally, financially, and physically for me to be able to continue this journey. What last minute advice do you have for our listeners? So from a passive investor perspective, I think the first thing that passive investors need to do is to get clear on why they're investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. So what do you want real estate to do? And what do you want your investments to do for you? Mm -hmm. What's your timeline? Because someone who is 25 is probably going to have a different appetite for risk, a different timeline in terms of when they want their money and how they want their money to grow than someone who's in their 30s, their 40s, or their 50s. So I think being willing to stand in your truth Mm -hmm. about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And then from that place, you know, getting curious about different types of real estate investment vehicles and the way they're structured. And from that place of structuring, understanding, is this a cash flow asset or is this appreciation? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it doing? And that was something that was important to me when I was thinking about preparing to make this transition. I deliberately sought to invest in assets that had the potential to generate cash flow. Mm-hmm. So you didn't see me investing in like development projects, for instance, not because they're bad. They're not. But it's because I knew that I had a timeline to leave my job mm-hmm. at some point. So I needed assets that kicked off cash flow to enable me to do that. Mm-hmm. So different people are looking for different things. So I think the biggest thing is like really getting super clear about what it is that you want and then start getting out there and, you know, connecting, listening to podcasts like this one that enables you to meet operators, syndicators like myself to learn about what kinds of deals that we have and take some time, maybe take six months to network and meet a ton of different operators from listening to these shows and then sign up for their lists, speak to them on the phone, get to know Mm -hmm. them. So that way you can compare and contrast and see, okay, 
These are the types of returns that this operator offers. These are the ones this other one offers. This is how her deals are structured. This is how this one's deals are structured. Get to know them. Do you like them? Do you trust them? Are these people that, you know, you would want to do business with for the next five years? Mm -hmm. And then if you can say yes to all those things, then now you're in a position where, you know, you're ideal to invest. But I would say that is the biggest thing I would say is number one, getting super duper clear about, you know, what it is that you want. And then after that, getting out there and meeting people and meeting these operators, learning about the different asset classes and going from there. That sounds like perfect advice. Because oftentimes we want to be involved in something and we jump into it without really thinking about what it is that we are expecting, whatever it is to do for us. So, yes. Yes. Lisa, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So one stop shop, you can just go straight to my website. So it is lisahilton.com and that's Hilton like the hotel. Only thing with a Y. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if you put right in front of it forward slash ebook, you can get my free ebook on the beginner's guide to investing in real estate syndications. It just gives you a quick rundown on what real estate syndications are, some of the benefits, pros and cons, as well as a case study. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lisa. For again, sharing your experiences, your wisdom, your insight, and most importantly, your transparency. Thank you also, everyone, for joining us to show our appreciation. If you'd like to receive a special gift, be the first person to contact us via our website and mention in the comments that you absolutely love the interview with Lisa Hilton. And we'll send you a special book to take your passive real estate investing to the next level. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to give us a five-star rating right there on your listening platform. And if you want to hear more, like what you hear and want to be notified when new episodes drop, go ahead and hit subscribe. Thank you again, Lisa, for your time, your insight, and your presence with us today. Thank you all for listening. And remember, it's never too late to get started investing with the Multifamily Investor Ladies. Thanks, Emil, for listening. For more information about today's episode, learn more about passive multifamily real estate investing, or to reach Linda or Lisa directly, visit us on the web at multifamilyinvestorladies.com. Thanks a mill for joining the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast, sponsored by Berkwood Capital and Freedom Capital Investments. Your hosts, Lisa Hill and Linda Brooks, remind you it's never too late to get started on your multifamily real estate investing journey and they'll show how to do it successfully as a passive investor. We'll see you next time.